Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to episode 15 of season five of This Spiritual Fix. Today is the first in a three-part series on all things paranormal for some fun. Today we are talking about aliens. Enjoy! This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hey, Christina. Hi, Anna. Hey. <laughs> we're together, and today we're talking about UFOs and starseeds. And aliens. Yes, we're talking about all of that good stuff today because we talk around it a lot. But we've never had an episode on it before. And it is the reason why TikTok may be getting banned, so I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? Yeah, it's because TikTok is a way for everyone to show their, like, live footage of UFOs. And it's freaking out the people in power, quote, quote, who don't want us to know. So let's just ban TikTok. Right. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. And guess where I heard it? TikTok. <laughs> Did you hear it from a star seed on TikTok? Probably. Was it the dude who was like all blue and he's like all perfectly manicured and he's like, I'm a Syrian star seed? No, I think it was the one dressed up like Jesus. Yes, that one. We're, talking, <laughs> we're thinking about the same one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff today, particularly star seeds, because I think there's some really interesting kind of thoughts around this, and I've definitely evolved my thinking on it. But, you know, one of the things about starseeds is that ultimately we all want to feel unique or we all want to find an explanation for why we don't feel like we fit in, like why we don't feel like we feel quite human or when we look at our culture and we're just like, I don't fucking fit into this, right? Like you look, you look at those things and you're like, oh man, I just feel so kind of different. And that is what our prelude is about today. Which is, Anna's going to talk about her intensity, which to me comes across a little bit alien sometimes. Really? Because it's so intense. Yes. Alien? Well, I say that, but I always used to joke back in the day, Anna, <laughs> I, the I, day. I probably told this story before on this podcast, so, so stop me everybody if I did. No. Um, <laughs> was that Anna and her partner went to India and I house sat with another person for a month. Oh, with Eddie. With Eddie in her house. And 
we like in that time period i like fixed it so that they actually had like a light bulb in their fridge like it had gone out and like nobody had bothered to see it i was like it's like pitch black in your fridge (laughs) and there were like a couple of other really strange things in your kitchen i had salt but no pepper yeah you had like salt but no pepper and then there was no oil and then there was like it was just like all over the place. I was like, I don't actually, I was like, I feel like these might be fake people. You know what I mean? Cause like when I actually got into it, I was like, how do you, how do you cook? How do you do that? And so Eddie and I would just like make jokes about that I was it. an alien? That you and Eric Well, Eric Eric's. doesn't do the cooking. So I'm the alien, I guess. Maybe you're the alien in that case, but we definitely I were just, just like. I synthesize oil from the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> right. And at that point. Eric had a hyperbaric chamber in the top of the house. And so it was like you would go into certain rooms and there would be like these huge capsules. It was like, are they are they vampires? Are they aliens? Like what is going on here? Is Eric intense too? Eric is he's got he's an Aries. He's intense, but he's an intense in kind of a different way in the sense that you can tell that he's intensely interested everything like people and their stuff feels like a very intense analysis for him whenever you're with him so that feels intense right because I remember I I had a party for my 40th the other day and he was there and he was a friend of ours was like oh my god what was it he was doing NLP on your friend yeah and he was like asking her uncomfortable questions in front of a group of like 10 people yeah and then later on he was like do you think I went too far with that? And I was like, I think when she said you should ask someone else, maybe you should have asked someone else. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I kind of felt. But she was also like welcoming it in a weird way too. Right. Well, I feel like I feel I feel like this person in particular has that personality where like she's always been safe if she's deflected attention from herself, but like actually she totally is okay with it. Well, not okay with it, but she it's it's part of her growth to be okay with it. Well, I have a moon in Scorpio, so anyone who's listening and has done their astrology chart, if you have any Scorpio placements, you might suffer from this thing called intensity or obsessiveness. <laughs> it's not OCD, because I feel like that word is, is thrown around a little bit in pop culture, and mm-hmm. it's not really what OCD is about. OCD is actually miserable for people who suffer from it. This is more just like being obsessive or intense about things and like getting on a kick and not being able to come off of it. And I think um, people who are prone to addiction have this obsessive quality, intensive quality. You know, Christina has said to me, I can't match your intensity or I can't match your energy. And I've heard that before. Like, I can't match your energy. And um, yeah, I need to, sometimes I feel like I need to tone it the fuck down and other times I just embrace it. So. What have been some things that you've been intense about in like the last year or two? Well, my, now it's my garden. Yep. So I'm like intense, tense about my garden. I think about my garden. I fantasize about my garden. I'm driving and I'm thinking about my garden. <laughs> ah, let's see. Like it could be about other things too. Like I, I, it could be about a show. You know, like I was watching that Pedro Pascal show, The Last of Us. It's a zombie movie. Yeah. It's a zombie series. And like, I would say I was like obsessed with it. Like I was, I would like count the days down to like when it was going to be on TV. And then last night I had a dream that there were four new episodes that I didn't know about. And I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah, or like I'll get on it like if Netflix comes out with a show, I'll binge it. I'll like binge it till midnight or three AM, you know? Yeah. Like I can get into things and like and when I get into them I go like I give my hundred and ten percent. Like like if I cook a meal, for example, I like wanna make you know, like I don't half ass it. If I am like missing this one random ingredient, I'll drive across town and go get it for it. Or, wow. or whatever. Wow, you know that what is I mean? commitment. That's commitment. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's not crazy. That's not fair. That's well, like, intense. I plan, I plan it, but it's intense. It's like, oh, this says you can use tamarind paste, but you can substitute with lemon. I'm like, no, I am going to get the tamarind paste. Right. Do you feel like the intensity leads to rigidity? Hmm. Well, Scorpio and Leo are fixed signs. So that would mean that I am rigid. I don't know if I'm rigid. I don't think I'm rigid. So like am I using rigid? the example of the tamarind paste. Yeah. Right. If you were cooking a meal with three other people, two other people, one other person, and the other person didn't want to get tamarind paste. I'd be fine with it. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Or I'd say, let's do another recipe that doesn't require tamarind. Which is kind of rigid. Because it has to be perfect. Like, you couldn't be okay with the, with the substitute. I don't know. I guess there's flaws to being intense. But there's also benefits. Of course there are benefits. That's why we call it intensity and not obsession. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just, it was just, this is more just curious. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't, you, you're totally welcome to analyze one of the things about me, which is like my wishy washiness. Like, or whatever. Are you wishy washy? I'm not, I am afraid to step into roles of leadership. Really? Yeah. When I'm not given authority, like, I'm, I'm always waiting for authority to be step into positions of leadership. Hmm. So, well. You know what? I would say being intense at least means I care. That's a form of passion, right? Yeah. I would, I would say I'm a passionate person. Eric's passionate. My kids are passionate. I love y'all's passion. I love your passion towards each other, too. You know what I mean? Like the intensity in which you like fight or <laughs> get along or whatever. It's just yeah, like... like yeah, our passion might not necessarily be like romantic passion, but. Like, we, like, go gung-ho about stuff together, and then, like, he's always up to something. Yeah. He's always up to something. Yeah. He's got he's got his hand in five different things at all times. But I, I think that's awesome, because I'm my, my relationship is, like, the opposite of that. Like, I'm always pressing to try and be intense about anything. Or, like, go forward to anything. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like... Me, it's always trying to like motivate. I'm trying. I'm constantly trying to motivate. That's like to your, motivate your husband. Motivate my husband and myself to like. Why not and just embrace that you're that you're a mutable sign. Is a mutable is a mutable sign one that requires a lot of effort to get it going? They go with. They just go with the flow. And so, if the flow is telling them not to start anything, they shouldn't. Yeah, they, I guess. I guess they're just sitting on the water and letting it take them where they want to go. Yeah, and eventually you get there. Yeah. No, I think the reason I, I wanted to ask you about this was because, like, I think it's a really... I think I've talked with listeners and I've worked with clients and things like that who have a similar intensity. And I think it's really important to, like, encourage it and not necessarily see it as, like, you know, like, somebody might not always match you. 
right? Oh, yeah. No one can match me. Right. And it's important <laughs> kidding, to not... I'm but not kidding, but, like, I Yeah, mean, and it's important to not become a martyr in that, right? Like, we, like, you know, to, to not, like, be like, okay, well, now I've got all the points in the bank and, and they can never make up for it, right? You gotta... If you have intensity, you gotta do things because you want to do them, not because you're waiting for someone to match you. Exactly. I think that's it. So yeah. whoever needs to hear that right now... <laughs> That's what you, that, that's if what you're intense, from. find happiness in your intensity versus waiting for somebody to, like, deliver what you're delivering. No one can deliver it. Yeah. You're one of a kind. Seriously. Speaking of, I can't wait to get home and plant my garden. <laughs> so let's get this episode going. Let's get this episode going. All right. So we're talking about UFOs today. And so the first thing that we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about a little bit about UFOs in our, in our culture, because it's a really, really fascinating thing. And I think it's really fascinating to like, I mean, obviously we could literally do an entire podcast series on UFOs and not even scrape the surface of the entire culture. So this is going to be a real like tour of like a high level tour. And we're going to start with like older versions, like not modern culture, but ancient culture of of the examples of where we've seen examples of ufos obviously or not obviously but you know you go back in time and depending on where you look if you look at hieroglyphs if you look at mayan ruins if you look at aztec things you can see the nazca lines you could see different references to the possibility that there have been aliens on earth for quite some time or have aliens who have been visiting earth for some time And there's also been loose correlations to the fact that like the pantheon of of Greek gods or the pantheon of of gods in any in any culture in which there are multiple gods are references to aliens and different types of aliens as they've come down onto Earth and as they've manifested and people have seen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like when you like there's there's I mean, there's some people who believe like the, the Nibiru, for instance, is like a real common origin story of humans that humans are basically the result of a race of beings who were humongous who used humans who basically earth became a breeding ground for them um and they mixed some of their dna but that they the nibiru look a lot like the egyptian gods the different forms of the egyptian gods yeah and then nibiru itself is main is known to be or postulated by some to be a planet that is in an like a 60,000 year orbit around the sun mm-hmm. so it only comes close to earth every once in a while and when it does like there's a huge shift in cultures and blah 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 blah. but we're going to start with Julius Obsequens who is a Roman writer who is believed to have written around the fourth century AD and one of the things that he talked about was a reference to things moving through the sky. It could be possibly meteors, but he was writing 400 years after events that he described. So it's like, it's not an eyewitness account necessarily, but he's telling stories of things that appeared in the sky. These could be other celestial events, but that's one. In 1561, there's a woodcut by a man named Hans Glaser, which is a celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg. And we will put this in the show notes. But basically, it's connected to very ancient astronaut claims because if you see this, there's very obviously something in the sky that looks like some sort of wow, some sort of alien being. And this is a woodcut from 1561. 
They say, according to writer Jason Calavado, the image represents a secondhand depiction of a particularly gaudy sundog. A known atmospheric optical phenomenon is what they're basically claiming it is, that it's like miracles or sky, sky spectacles in terms of that. So some of these things could be attributed to UFOs, some of them to celestial phenomenon that just happen to be rather rare. Another example is on January 25th, 1878, the Denison Daily News printed an article by John Martin, who was a local farmer who had reported seeing large dark circular objects resembling a balloon flying at a wonderful speed. According to the newspaper account, it appeared to be around the size of a saucer from his perspective. And in April of that year, reports to such mystery airships in various parts of the United States, reminiscent of the modern UFO waves, is kind of like what's going on right now, where suddenly... There's just this mass of sightings, right, in the states, and like, and like right now, all over the world, you go to, go onto TikTok and people are like reporting UFO sightings and having video evidence of it all over the place. And there's ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics of like spaceships. helicopters, yeah. spaceships, airplanes. Like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Exactly. There was even a mass panic in 1897 that strange ships and artificial lights were seen in the sky, and this was back in 1897 so there wasn't the same um, use of electricity at that time that basically this panic people feared that thomas edison had created an artificial star that could fly around the country it's just there's just been stuff around this for quite some time one of the really famous ones that happened in britain was the rendlesham forest incident so this is something that's more recent this was in 1980 and if you see if if you like listen there's like a bunch of books about this but like it's it's reported series of Basically, there was a military base near there, and there were unexplained lights, significant unexplained lights that were happening in there, and there was a lot of radiation sickness that happened as a result of that same event. There have been a number, basically every country will have their own version of it. So we're kind of going to mostly stick to the United States. The There was the popular UFO craze, which caused a media frenzy of reports on June 24th, 1947, when a civilian pilot reported seeing nine objects flying in a formation near Mount Rainier in the United States. And at the time he claimed, he described the objects flying in a saucer-like fashion, leading the newspaper accounts of quote-unquote flying saucers and flying discs. And soon reports of flying saucer sightings became a daily occurrence, with, with one particularly famous example being the Roswell incident, where remnants of a downed observation balloon were recovered by a farmer and confiscated by military personnel. Wow. You, how close was Roswell to where you grew up? Far away. It's a three-hour drive. Yeah. So, did you ever see UFOs when you were growing up as a kid in the sky? I thought I did once. In New Mexico, I think it was an alien. Okay. I think I've told you this story that I was sitting in my room and a blue light entered the room. That's right. Yes, I remember that. Do you think that was an alien? Well, what the hell was it? I mean, your greater consciousness? I don't know. Do you want to tell everybody the story for people who haven't heard it? I was laying in my room and I saw this blue light enter the room and it started like swimming around the room, like zigzagging. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, I'm not dreaming. I'm not dreaming. And like pinching myself and like looking around the room and making sure everything made sense. Cause I was like, this is really happening. Like I was, this is really Mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Like I I remember being like, this is not a dream. Like having this thing. And then I 
reach out my finger and as soon as I reach out my finger because I'm like inviting connection with it yeah it zipped across the room as fast as can be and touched my finger and the second it touched my finger I heard the loudest sound in the world so loud like a crack of thunder and and I jumped out of bed I was convinced it must have woken everyone up no one else heard it and I ran to my parents room and I said did you hear it did you hear it did you hear it? and they're like what I was like it was like louder than a hundred lions yelling into a stethoscope. You didn't hear that? They're like, no. I was like, this blue light, it jumped on my finger and it made this loud noise. And they were like, come back to bed, Anna. Come back to bed. I swear that happened. Yeah. I, of course it did. <laughs> I don't know why you don't think it didn't. <laughs> no, I know it did, but I remember like nobody else heard it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, I mean, that's, isn't that the nature of the world? Like so much can happen without like actually having other things happen. Like around, like other people might not be able to have it. You can have it in your own experience. I did recently hear that the Roswell incident in particular was apparently like orchestrated by the Russians in order to cause a mass hysteria and a panic, (laughs) which I thought was a really interesting thing. Other examples are the 1997 where the Phoenix Lights. There is a, there's some really amazing documentaries about the Phoenix Lights in which basically they saw a triangular formation of lights over Phoenix that basically were all throughout that area. And like, it was one of those mass reportings in which everybody was trying to, was, was reporting it and, and everybody was seeing it at the same time. And those are the really interesting ones. When you get those mass reports and nobody's able to actually look at it. There is on the more recent reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. So there is a current episode on Unsolved Mysteries at which Lake Michigan in 1994, hundreds of people saw strange lights off of Lake Michigan. And it's really interesting to one to watch because there was actually a radar operator who was watching these lights move at such a speed that it was like in physically impossible because they would show up on one thing and then they would zoom across and he was actually able to like triangulate how fast it was actually going so they were using like a scientific instrument to see how much this thing had just like jumped all over the place like it's wow. a really really fascinating thing to say what like, year was that again 1994 and there were over 300 calls that flooded into a 911 dispatch to report strange lights in the night sky along the eastern shore of lake michigan the hovering objects appeared to be both round and cylindrical with different colored lights. Eventually, callers said that they headed out over the lake, and a radar operator from the National Weather Service watched the movements of these UFOs for hours and confirmed the reports. In the decades since the sightings, witnesses and investigators are no closer to solving this mystery than they were in 1994. And the unfortunate thing is, is that the person who was operating the radar basically got railroaded. They basically got, like, they got run out of town. Like, they, they lost their job from the National Weather Service even though they were just witnessing something that was there, right? Because they became famous because the lights, like the phenomenon made national news and everyone was interviewing them. And so the National Weather Service didn't want like somebody who was in their employ to be like purporting UFO activity and saying that it was actually true. Why are they so against it? Okay. Well, yeah. So there are a lot of associated things with UFOs. And so what we're in like kind of the... We're talking about we're talking about a number of different things. We are talking about extraterrestrial, not necessarily ultra-terrestrial. The difference being the assumption that they are from outside of our Earth as opposed to ultra-terrestrial, which is that they are multi-dimensional. They're coming just from a different dimension of our existing Earth. So we're kind of making a bit of a bucket around there, but it's kind of a bullshit bucket because how do we actually know if it's extra or ultra? It's really hard to make that distinction, but... 
So I'm going to go through the different types of interactions that we can have with these beings, because I think it's really important to say, like, we've given you guys some UFO examples, and then you could get into the entire world of crop circles, and then you could get oh, into... Oh, I've been to a crop circle. Have you? Yeah. Where, where have you been to a crop circle? In England with Satyan Raja. And it was crazy. What did it feel like? Just amazing vibration. Yeah. And, like, every each and every, like, blade of straw or grass or whatever it was was like bent was but not broken but not broken so weird was it a recent one well we went there it was the recent one like it had popped up in the like the previous couple days and you guys just happen to know about it and like go there satan knows people who know people and so someone he like found out where it was gonna be or where it was he found out where it was and we went that's really cool that's really cool so Crop circles is an example. There, there are missing 411s. So missing 411s is like this entire phenomenon. You go look at it and it's just like incredible. The number of people that disappear. Wait, from what are missing 411s? Missing 411s are people that disappear without a trace. Sometimes they show back up, but they will disappear without a trace. And the number that go from national and state parks is uncanny. It's insane. There's even been a like loose Is it like series. a serial murder thing? No, no, because they're disappearing in ways that doesn't, they're, they're not being murdered. They're disappearing, like, like From the people will be walking along a path with their kid or with their partner, and they will turn around and their partner is gone. Oh, man. So there are hundreds and hundreds of reports of basically people being taken, especially from national and state parks. In fact, there was once I heard a theory about the fact that national parks were made national parks because... They were common areas of abduction, so they needed to protect them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, which I just thought was really interesting. Um, so you have missing 411s, you have crop circles, you have any kinds, any kind of other abductions. There's so many different stories. So we're going to classify the different types of the different kinds of interactions that you can have. And this is based on a scale by a man named Hynek in which he devised a six-fold classification for UFO sightings, and they are arranged in order of increasing proximity. The first is nocturnal lights, which is lights in the sky. The next is daylight discs, which is UFs, UFOs seen in the daytime, generally having a discoidal or oval shapes. The next is a radar visual, which is UFO reports that have radar confirmation. These supposedly try to offer harder evidence that the objects are real, although radar propagation can occasionally be discredited due to atmospheric propagation anomalies. And then we get into close encounters of the first kind, which are called CE1s. They are visual sightings of an unidentified object seemingly less than 500 feet away. So you can see that the the like nocturnal lights, the daylight discs, the radar visuals don't even count as a close encounter of the first kind. Right? Okay. They're like less than that. So basically seemingly less than 500 feet away that show an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. So okay. 500 feet's not that far at all. Right. right? It's like the one right behind you. Ah! Just that kidding. just scared <laughs> the fuck out of me. <laughs> oh my God, you suck. I'm like so on my, I'm like so. <laughs> well, I had to sleep in the RV last night by myself in the middle of nowhere. And I uh, thought, God, if the aliens want to come, I'm like prime picking. Oh, uh, were you okay? I was fine, but okay. I thought I'm, the, I'm perfect. Uh. Perfect for this. <laughs> but the grays don't come anymore. And I'll explain that when it's you, my turn. You will. You will totally explain that when it's your turn. Um, So... 
First kind is it's still in the sky. It's a flying object, right? Which are also called UAPs. And there's an even fucking worse, there's an even more confusing acronym about it now, but like UAPs being unidentified aerial phenomenon. But unidentified flying objects seemingly less than 500 feet away, which is not far, y'all. Like that's, that's not far at all. 500 feet is like five houses. No. Yeah. Like five houses away. Yeah. 100 yards is a football field, and that's 300 feet. So it's like a football field and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Next is Close Encounters of the Second Kind, which is CE2. It's a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged, and this can be an interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, a physiological effect such as paralysis or heat or dis- and discomfort in the witness, and some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorched or otherwise affected vegetation or chemical trace. Okay, so crop circles would be a, a close encounter of a second kind. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's a physical evidence, but it's not necessarily a direct, like, it, it says a UFO event, and there's an assumption that you see the UFO actually do this event. Right. So like there's an assumption that there's some sort of like causality, like you can see that some sort of strange thing happened. And as a result, there was a cattle mutilation or there was something else. A what mutilation? Cattle mutilation. Did Did that happen? Yes. It could be cryptids. It could be like some people allege it's like cryptids, like the like all the different cryptids that exist in the Appalachian Mountains or things like that that actually cause those things. But there's a thought. Cryptids Cryptids are things like skinwalkers and different things like that are it's like cryptozoology is like this whole thing in the paranormal field about different creatures that exist that are not obviously found, like they haven't been found. What if the aliens had us do this episode to make you, dear listener, more comfortable with them for when they're coming? Well, we're going to talk about disclosure here at the end. So (laughs) Um, I do want to say something about close encounters of the second kind, because one of the really interesting things that you always, you may or may not hear as a result of these encounters is something called the Oz effect and the Oz effect is when everything all of the animals all the insects everything go quiet and and then you have what's called high strangeness so like these are like common things when we get into like more the third and the fourth and the fifth kind but like it's really interesting because like um it I guess maybe that's not technically a physical trace of something but um, the animals go quiet. All the animals go quiet. It's called the Oz effect. It's like it's like, and then ah, like I'm in awe, or like Oz, like Wizard of Oz, like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the Oz effect, in which everything will go quiet, and you'll just be like, "Why is everything suddenly quiet?" Usually, if you ever feel something from the Oz effect, the Oz effect, then like you should probably get the hell out of there or look in the sky. Yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is That's a, a movie. It that? is a Steven Spielberg movie, and if y'all don't notice Steven Spielberg, I'm pretty sure if you wanted to call that a star seed, you would say that Steven Spielberg was a star seed because he like has so many movies about aliens. He has E.T. He has Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He has War of the Worlds. Like so many. I loved Contact. I don't think that's his though. That's not. I loved Contact as well. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. So Close Encounters of the Third Kind are UFO encounters in which an animated entity is present, and these includes humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a UFO. So if that blue light I saw was an alien, I had a close encounter of the third kind. Yes. Exactly. Okay. And then there is, basically, there is a UFO researcher named Ted Blocher. Blocher? Six subtypes for the close encounters of the third kind on Hynek's scale. 
A is aboard, an entity is observed only inside the UFO. B is both, an entity is observed inside and outside the UFO. C is close, an entity is observed near to a UFO but not going in or out. D is direct, which is an entity is observed, and no UFOs are seen by the observer, but UFO activity has been reported in the area about the same time. This is very specific, y'all. E is excluded, an entity is observed, but no UFOs are seen, and no UFO activity has been reported in the area at that time. And F is frequency, which is no entity or UFOs are observed, but the subject experiences something, some sort of intelligent communication. So I had an E or an F. Something like that, yeah. So there was then made the extension of Hynek scale. So basically, originally there was only one, two, and three, and now first, third, and first, second, and third, and now there are the fourth and the fifth. The fourth is close encounters of the fourth kind of event is in which an alien, a human, is abducted by a UFO or its occupants. This type was not included in Hynek's original close encounters scale. So Anna, you were going to tell us about grays and why these close encounters of the fourth kind are not necessarily common anymore. Okay, so yeah, the grays, the gray aliens, also referred to as Zeta reticulans or the Roswell grays or just the grays, are associated with the abductions. So I just want to put it out there that I was skeptical of this and I had a friend who was totally sane, totally normal. So I had a friend who was in a professional school. I won't say anything about him or where I met him to protect his privacy, but he took a Reiki class. And when he took this Reiki class, they had everybody put their hands on like this, some sort of machine that would measure how much like, you know, vibe or chi you had in your hand. And every single person would just have like, you know, the silhouette of the hand and maybe some white spots. And like the best practitioners would have more white spots. Guess what? When he put his hand on that camera, guess how his hand would come like out? White. Pure white. Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. Because they were like, what the hell? And I told him, why do you think it is? He's like, well, I'll tell you, but don't, t- don't tell anybody. I think I, I think I can tell the story here because I'm not saying who he is. Yeah. And he didn't want, he wanted to protect himself. He told me he had been abducted by Gray since he was a child. And I really believe it's true because the intensity with and secrecy with which he told me he's a sane guy he had no reason to lie like he wasn't trying to impress me we weren't romantically involved he was just my friend like I really do believe him and I was giving him a past life regression and instead of going back to a past life we pulled up a memory of him getting abducted and we stopped it right there so I do I believe him wow totally totally believe him so anyways the thing about the grays is The greys have been depicted in many cultures in many countries across the world as having like the like skinny little humanoid bodies and then the big gray face with like the big black eyes that are almond shape and then the small little face and those have been depicted in many places. 73% of alien encounters reported in the United States describe greys. And then in other countries, it's less. So only about 50% in Australia are greys, of encounters in Australia are greys, 48% in continental Europe, 12% in the United Kingdom. So most other countries like weren't aren't getting as many alien encounters of greys as the United States for whatever reason. So one of the reasons, so going back to the greys, one of the reasons why they're also called the Zeta Reticuli is because there was this woman named Betty Hill who in 1969 claimed that she was shown a map by these aliens when they abducted her and showed her their nearby home. And so they drew it 
And on the map, it was marked that their home was the Zeta Reticuli. Yeah. Okay. And then there's other encounters of the of the of the Greys, like for example, the movie Fire in the Sky, which was based on this logger named Travis Walton's experience, which was kind of, I guess, romanticized in the movie. But that was a movie about him being abducted by the Greys. And just in general, the Greys have been responsible for the abductions. And they're kind of creepy, and you don't really want to be abducted by a Grey, from what I can understand. They're not like the benevolent, loving aliens. They're like the, like, let's go probe, experiment, experiment and probe on humans. But the good news is, and I looked far and wide for this information, I couldn't find it, that, like, in... The late 80s or early 90s, this woman figured out that the reason why the greys were entering our solar system was because of some sort of configuration that had to do with the ancient Egyptian pyramids. And she like did something and I can't remember what she did and I can't find it anywhere. But this Peruvian woman basically placed something somewhere and now the greys can't get in and if you think about it it's interesting because you don't hear about alien abductions anymore like all the alien abductions you hear about were happening like before the 80s and 90s i haven't heard of any lately yeah have you no you're right there's been there there have not been a lot that happened recently at all i, I don't like. think there's i can't think of anybody who reporting an alien abduction in the last 20 years i've heard of some but i but you're right like i really can't think of it, it the only thing i could think of of another reason is that is that is the fact that people feel like they have to be in a place where they have nothing to lose in their life. And so they wait 20 or 30 years for it to happen in order to be able to report it. But that that's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. So one of the things with Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind that's really interesting, I actually learned about the fourth kind because there's a horror movie called The Fourth Kind and it like depicts abductions and it's really creepy as fuck, but it's a really interesting take on on how violating an abduction can obviously feel. But the things that are often associated with these abductions are sometimes you come back with an implant of some sort, like sometimes you come back and you're healed. There's been a lot of stories of miraculous healings that have happened as a result of being abducted. There is- Well, my friend had the amazing superpower, like he was really good at Reiki and his his whole hand lit up. Yeah. Like Like a- Exactly, exactly. So there's oftentimes some beneficial things that have happened. In other cases, like like I believe the Renlisham Farm, the Renlisham Forest that we were talking about earlier, both of those people died of some sort of strange cancer because of the radiation associated with what they had come across. The, the other thing that can happen during these periods is people will experience not only the Oz effect, but also lost time. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of times in which you're experiencing lost time. Or, you know, you're you're seemingly jumping around in time. And of course, this could be multidimensional where you're kind of popping in and out of, of time or you're dealing with multidimensional beings who are operating at higher dimensions and therefore they're able to just kind of like pluck people out of our dimension and we can't see them go anywhere. They're just gone. And then often the thing I always talk about is owls. I feel like owls is like the main thing that, that like I always associate whenever I see an owl, I'm always just like, okay, cool. Like... I feel a little watched right now and and that's good. But oftentimes people will in their heads, like they will have distorted memories of their abductions and they'll just remember an, an, an owl acting very strangely around them because for some reason, like the big eyes, they can associate that like their brain does goes to the thing that it can function with. It can function with an owl, but it can't function with an alien. You know what I mean? Like it's brain refuses to go to the alien. So it's like, what's the thing that looks a lot like an alien An owl, right? 
So those are close encounters of the fourth kind. Close encounters of the fifth kind are the ones that you hear about a shit ton, especially on amongst TikTok. <laughs> on TikTok and New Age and conspiratorial like areas, things along those lines. But the close encounters of the fifth kind are referred to human initiated contact with extraterrestrial life forms really? as opposed to extraterrestrial contact with human initiated, like with humans. So extraterrestrial life forms or advanced interstellar civilizations claiming direct communication between humans and the aliens. That's a CE5, and it was a, a first coined by a man named Dr. Stephen Greer. And in a CE5 event, individuals and groups use specific protocols to establish communication or interaction with ETs. And these protocols primarily involve the use of a contact meditation or use of sound or signals. Contact meditation? What is that? Contact medication. Meditation is like a channel. I think that's like a fancy word for a channel. Oh, okay. Close encounters of the fifth time are also referred to as human-initiated close encounter, which is a heist. And this is similar to kind of what you would say our teacher. So we talk about Charles being an alien. And Charles had a lot of abductions when he was younger, right? So he started off having a significant number of abductions. I thought he was just getting visited by his father's people. Well, yeah. Do you want to tell that story? Oh, you go ahead. No, no. I, I, I Genuinely, do you want to tell that story? I can barely remember it. Well, his mother was a human. Yeah. Alien in human disguise. And his father was an alien. And his mom would take him out to the field behind their house where his human father had no... His human father was not his biological father, but his human father didn't know it. And he would go out to the field behind his house and the UFO ships would come down. But he wasn't being abducted by them. He was just like communing with his father and his people. Yeah. That's what he says. And I do believe him. Right. Because it's... why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and and also there's a whole thing right now. Well, because with... I trust him. And because he's like magical, amazing. Yeah, exactly. He does spark a lot of really fascinating and amazing experiences and openings. So I'm kind of in agreement with Anna in the sense that like it feels... And it was happening in New Mexico, too, wasn't it? Was it? I thought it was happening in Georgia. I don't remember. Well, you can tell we're really good at this. Maybe we just have lost time and distorted memories. Okay. So it's what I wanted to say about Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, in particular, was a really interesting thing because what you're seeing with the Galactic Council, right? People are talking about the Galactic Councils, and they're talking about the Galactic Councils, and they're talking about this war that's going on between one type of of alien and another type of alien and we're going to get to that i'm going to go i'm going to go through the list of like some common types of aliens that we may refer to you may hear other people refer to but it's a really interesting concept of i feel like when we get into this space we're you know it it may be psychologically like if you wanted to sociologically look at this we feel a lot of people feel on the brink of cultural collapse as well as environmental collapse and if you wanted to like come up with a cycle, a socio, like a community sociological reason why you would be like, hey, this is bigger than us. Somebody else is looking after us and making sure that everything's going right. It kind of makes sense, right? That you're just like, I want to know that there's somebody who's making sure that we don't totally fuck this up because it doesn't seem like we can take care of it. You know what I mean? So it's like a loss of responsibility? Yeah, it's a little bit of a loss of responsibility with the whole Galactic Council and things like that. It's nice to think about it. Do you, Well, do you believe in the Galactic Councils? Yeah. Yeah. 
I do I don't too. think they're going to intervene, though, because I feel like we have certain human evolutionary spiritual things we need to go through, and they're not going to, like, just give us a free, get out of jail free card. Like, we have to learn through suffering. So there are our big brother, big sisters, if you will, I think are watching us. And some of them are helping us, but I think the ones that are helping us, they've been, like, allowed to. They've been voted on that they can. I, I think as a whole, they want a society to evolve before they show themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that it doesn't, for me, it angers me to feel like somebody is trying to stop something from happening. And it really bothers me that there's suppression and disclosure, which we'll get to in a second. And I've definitely had experiences where I've talked to and experienced things that have happened in this realm. And obviously like I know people that I know and love and trust that are either on galactic sub councils or they're on things along those lines. So for me, it feels good to feel like there may be somebody who's just preventing us from really totally fucking up. Like, I'm not going to lie. It feels good to like, you know, like there's somebody who's stopping the nuclear bombs from going off, you know, that kind of feels good. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. So I'm going to talk about some of, I'm just going to kind of list off some of the aliens. Okay. Okay. There is, and these include ultra dimensional. So like uh, things that could be multidimensional beings who, who pop, occasionally pop into our dimension, but I'm going to try and avoid those and mostly just do extraterrestrials. So there's the grays, which Anna described, and the ones that are most likely in the Roswell incident. There are what are called little green men, which are diminutive green humanoids, and they're basically a cultural reference. They don't necessarily exist in any other thing other than the cultural reference of little green men. Like there's nothing, there's nobody that's like, oh, look, I found the race of little green men and I'm channeling them right now. Okay. They're, they're like a fictional thing. They're kind of more of a fictional Was thing. Was that the War of the Worlds radio station thing? I think it was the original one, you mean? Yeah. I think that they were little green men. Yeah. There are Nordic aliens who are sometimes called space brothers, but they're, they're Plagerin, which used to be known as Pleiadians from the Pleiades, but now they're Plaharin, Plagerin. I don't know that. They're also called Venusians. They're the tall whites and the Agarthans. They're humanoids with stereotypical Nordic features. So tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, and have features in several cases of contacts. It is said they are from ancient earth, but presenting themselves in ETs in the past. And they've moved from living on the surface to live underground around the Himalayas areas after a natural event. Oh, I watched a documentary about one of these ones. Did you? Very cool. Yes. This is a really interesting thing, too. Because this will relate back when we talk about star seeds and, like, supremacies. When it comes to associating yourself with a certain alien life form. So right. the the show that I saw was about this guy, and he kept getting visited by one of those. The next is cryptozoological animals, which we referenced before. It's things like the Mothman, the Jersey Devil, the Loch Ness Monster, the African Nomo, the Yokai, things along those lines. Dog. Also, what was the dog also one? Bigfoot. The dog one is Cubacabra. The Cubacabra. Oh, Chupacabra. Chupa, no. Chupacabra, yeah. No, the, the dog one. There was a dog one that we, you sent me the video of the girl and the dog bending over the car. Black shuck. But these are likely ultra-dimensional and not necessarily extraterrestrial. Then we have the reptilians and the reptiloids, which are known as the ancient astronauts, the draconians, they're Orions, 
the lizard mem, you know, there's all sorts of different descriptions for them. They are tall, scaly humanoids, reptilian humanoids, beings date back at least as far as ancient Egypt with the crocodile-headed river god Sobek. And the reptilian conspiracy theories have been advocated by people like David Icke. So if you get into, way deep into these sorts of things, you will go into a whole world about the reptilians and about the New World Order and about how one person will say, well, the red-eyed reptilians are the evil ones, the ones who are wanting to bring about the destruction of the world. And the green-eyed reptilians are the ones that are like the benevolent ones who are basically on Earth to help. So those, the reptilians is, you can get really deep into that and we will not necessarily get deep into that today. Some of the other ones that we know are the Lyrans. The Lyrans look like lions. They are, there was once apparently a intergalactic war in which the reptilians destroyed the Lyrans planet. And so there's like a lot of bad blood between all these. Like you can go in so deep down these rabbit holes, y'all. Like, and and we'll kind of get to kind of what we can do with this information at the end of this. Because I'm not just going to like spew out all this information and then like not say anything about. So in the end, like we're telling you a lot of different information as a form of reference, which is something that you can kind of go on the internet and you can research as you want. But I want to add some value to your life as a result of having to hear all of this. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the different types of disclosure that are going on right now. So there are a lot of things that are happening at the moment in terms of disclosure. First, there was the Israeli director of their space program who basically, after he retired, said this is absolutely a case. We are absolutely saying that they're, you know, we are in, con- in direct contact with extraterrestrial beings. And therefore, like, it's true. We also had another, we had a Canadian person, a former government official in Canada who also said the same thing. And then we, and then what happened in May of last year is Congress basically held its first public hearing on UFOs in 50 years. And a previous military report that came out during those hearings cited 11 near misses to UAPs or UFOs, whatever you want to talk about within that time period. So it's really interesting because like if you could, you can go and read the transcripts for this. I was reading them the other day and it was, it was very, very fascinating to read, you know, basically people saying and insisting to a certain extent that like contact has happened. The government is in contact with these, with these beings and that there have been numerous you know, there are people who were testifying that basically said this. And then there are a lot of reports from different videos that have been released that show UFOs that the Navy has encountered in particular. And there were a bunch of the triangular shaped ones that came out a couple of years ago that really started. Triangular shaped what? UFOs? UFOs. That got started a couple of years ago that was really like involved one of the first disclosures that the Navy actually did, because obviously it has a lot of experience with being out in the ocean and being in the air and able to kind of record these things. So there, so the Pentagon issued a UFO report, which reveals all of the sightings, the bizarre sightings that have happened that fall into several categories and require more study and largely and remain largely unexplained and unidentified. It said, the report said, the limited amount of high quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. Reads the summary of the report posted by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence on June 25th in 2021. 
Okay. Uh, there are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. UAP clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. According to the document, each report of a UAP would probably fall into one of five potential explanatory categories, airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomenon, USG or US industrial industry developmental pro programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all quote-unquote other bin, right? Other bin being, being there. So, you know. Natural occurrences, like whatever, like a disc. Yeah, like a disc that's a natural occurrence and somehow able to do that. Some hoped that the this report would include reality-altering revelations or at least a watershed moment for U.S. truth movement. But most people kind of are saying that the debunkers of UFO stuff are just like very happy about it, right? And and like you're going to get you're going to get all sorts of stuff happening all the time. Like you go on you go on to TikTok or you go into any of these different things and you will find people looking at Mars, the pictures that they're they're putting on Mars all the time. Like they found pyramids and they found doorways and Oh, well they say that you you've heard the whole we're part Martian thing, right? What is that? What is that one? So the idea is that at, before Atlantis was Sumeria, and the Sumerians made a Merkaba, which is like a tree of life, yep. with their minds, because they were able to do stuff like that. And they made a Merkaba, which then brought forth Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And then on Mars, Mars was having a big war, and the Martians made a fake Merkaba, which they were able to then transport a thousand Martians to planet Earth through like a portal. Yeah. And then Mars ended up killing themselves because they were actually very left-brained, very like power-hungry. Like they say, emotionally, they were like 70-year-old men is like like toxic masculinity kind of energy. And they say that there's proof that this that they really did have life on Mars and that they did kill each other off because Mars, something about they have a magnetic field on the surface but not internally or something. I might be getting it all wrong. And, I, and I'm not like, I didn't do proper research because it was your episode. So I apologize. But basically something about the magnetic field of Mars kind of supports this theory that like at one point there was life and then there was like a war or something wiped themselves out. Anyways, so back on Earth, you had the Atlanteans. This is the fall of Atlantis, according to spirit science, which is that the, the Mar Martians now are on the Earth, about a thousand of them. Yep. Whereas there was hundreds of thousands if not millions of Atlanteans but the Mars were very Martians were very violent and jerks so they basically like took over and now because of that we have Martian DNA in us right and that the people who are more violent like the, and the why it's usually men and why it's usually you know men are more quote-unquote violent etc is like basically what percentage of Martian DNA do you have Right. That's what that's what this theory is. I don't know if it's true or not true, but the idea is that we have, all have alien DNA in us because of different things. Oh, and then the Martians couldn't figure out how to make a Merkaba to go back or to bring in more Martians. So they made, because thousands of years had passed and they wanted to make a new Merkaba to make a new portal to bring in more Martians, but they mm -hmm. fucked it up and that's when we lost Atlantis. That was on Spirit Science? Yeah. <laughs> I loved, I used to religiously watch Spirit Science, I have to admit. I love it. <laughs> I, 
But it brings, anyways, <laughs> but it, okay. So the, what it does though is it brings up you. You transition that so perfectly, Anna. I can't even tell. Really? You. Yes, because because effectively it brings up the point that if you wanted to create a supremacy, a supreme race of humans who had the pure blood. Of the Sumerians. Of the Arcturians. I didn't even mention the Arcturians. Oh, you didn't mention the Arcturians on the list. Yes, go and tell us about the Arcturians. Oh, the Arcturians are like the best. Yeah. Besides the one who has the songs. What is the song one? Oh, the Hawthor. Yeah, so you got Hawthor, benevolent aliens, and the Arcturians, benevolent aliens. Arcturians will come down and talk to you if you make a grounding cord and open your heart to them, and they'll give you like awesome celestial healing chamber stuff they're they're like on par with angels in terms of like evolutionary stuff exactly they're really cool and then the hawthorns there's someone online that channels their music or somehow tom Kenyon. yeah he brings in their music and their music is beautiful yeah and there's also the blue rays which i believe are different than the arcturians the arcturian mm-hmm. have more of a golden light whereas the blue rays have a blue light that's one as well there's a bunch of different healing energies that you can pull in from different alien and and the Arcturians are really tall and thin. Someone we know was visited by Arcturians and got a download from them. And then within a few months, she lost all this weight, remember? And she got oh, yeah. taller and thinner. Yes. <laughs> it's so crazy. Remember but that? I do remember that. Yeah, I do. Like, it's crazy. She got taller too, right? I know she got thinner. I know she got thinner. I don't know if she got taller. She definitely got thinner for doing nothing. Yeah. Just downloading. You want diet pills? Just ask the Arcturians to inject you with some DNA. <laughs> right, but that's, I mean, I think that's the point of what we're, of, of like kind of what I was joking about, but also not joking about is that like, you know, it's not acceptable to talk about eugenics of human blood and human DNA at this point, right? Like, it, you know, not to say that there aren't cultures and that there aren't countries that don't do that. And there aren't groups of people who don't do that. Like, obviously, white supremacy is alive and well in America. And they still think that they are trying to keep the purity, the purity of the Aryan or Caucasus, Caucasus people. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're trying to, they're trying to keep that pure, right? They don't want it to be diluted in whatever way, which is, you could attribute so much to that, including specifically abortion rights. Because, you know, we're still trying to, like, if, if you get rid of abortion... The main people who who like have children as a result of not having access to abortions are white, are white women. Wait, say that again. That most people having abortions are white women. Are most most people having abortions are white women, right? So if you can't, okay, so you want people to have babies, right? So this is this is a theory. You want people to have babies, but you don't want black people. You don't want people of color. You don't want Hispanic. You don't want any of them. So you can't create a social net. Which will, you can't do like they do in Scandinavian countries where they pay people to have babies, right? They, they pay for all their maternity leave and they will literally pay them like, you know, six, six, $600 or whatever to, to have a baby, right? Have national holidays to have babies because their, their population is declining so much, right? You can't do that. So what are you going to do instead? Because, because you don't want people of color to have baby and because you don't want, you know, like... Who are they, the... This is government? if you were going to say the government, right? Okay, is supporting a an eugenic. idea of, of white of, of eugenic policy without actually doing it. Then what you do is you make abortion illegal, and then you can suddenly 
make it so that white people have babies. But I'm not talking about white supremacy. I'm talking about how suddenly you can create this concept called a star seed and you take the eugenics argument outside of color and put it into alien race. And that's the thing that's the danger here, right? Is that star seeds are people who self-identify as aliens or alien consciousness in human form. And based on ethnographic field work in Sedona, Arizona over a two-year period and followed up by online digital resource, their star seeds are known to be self as described as themselves as being awakened. And it's often usually they when they say they're star seed, it's like they're making a living because they're a star seed, right? So right now, the concept of a star seed, if you go on to if you go do an internet search on Google, there will be four million results. And there are over 1 billion views for the hashtag Starseed on TikTok right now, right? And it's a really, it's a really, really popular thing. And I'm not saying that it's not beneficial, but you can also listen to this. So Starseeds are self-described as basically people who are empathetic, sensitive, and have more physical and mental health issues as their souls aren't used to having a human body. Starseeds want to help humanity, but they get overwhelmed by life on Earth, and so they need to recharge by spending time alone. They claim there are several ways to tell you're a starseed, and these include searching for meaning in life, feeling a lack of belonging, being spiritual, and possessing a strong sense of intuition or knowing are all qualities of a starseed. And believers also say that starseeds have the desire to explore and experience new cultures and spheres, which help star people to then provide novel insights into existence. And one of the things that I think is really important to recognize in this is that like, if you want to say you're starseed, I, I feel like I've been like kind of attacking starseeds because I've been, <laughs> I'm sorry I have, because for a long time I self-described as a starseed, right? I, I said, I basically said I was a starseed. And then I started to recognize how me describing myself as a starseed was making it so that I felt like I was different or separate. Better. I was better. I was not on the x-axis anymore. When did I was... you identify as a starseed? Well, I, you know. I, or whenever I, you would say, I don't like this planet. Or yeah, I'd always be like, I don't like this planet. I don't like being human. I don't like being human. I would be like, I even did that thing on TikTok once where I basically like read people's starseed like genetics. I was like, how much fey are you? How much alien are you? Because I can, I can, you can kind of say how much that is because in theory, everybody is everything. They're, they have multiple different aspects of themselves that exist on the earth. And so you can read how much, is, how much of those things are bleeding into their current experience, like how much of them are showing up in this dimension. So like if I'm angelic and alien, I can be like, I, I'm probably about 32% angelic, 50% human, and like, t you know, 25% alien at this point like from wherever I don't even you know I still don't actually know where I'm from but that's Charles he won't tell me he won't no he will not tell me I have no idea why it's really weird what does he say he just says oh, I'm not supposed to tell you that really <laughs> I know I have dreams about dinosaurs all the time and I asked him about it once and he said that it was because um reptilian. we're prejudiced we're prejudiced against um reptilians you are I am that there's like a general prejudice against reptilians and like and from so where you're from, for, uh, maybe from where I'm from or because I am one. I don't know which one, and therefore it makes it so that I need to dream about them to like normalize them in my regular life because they were like showing up to my school and they were like really benevolent. They were like little tiny dinosaurs just oh, like well, running around all over nice. the place. I've had a lot. I used to have nightmares about it though. When Jurassic Park came out, holy shit, I was convinced they were real. I knew that they were real. 
And I was afraid they were going to come abduct me from my room, which is weird. So I've obviously either had significant past life trauma or past altered other dimensional trauma with reptilians. Right. Because I could not get out of that nightmare for so long of after I saw Jurassic Park being like, these are real. They are all around now and they're going to come and take me out of my room. How old were you? I was probably, it was 96 when it came out. So I was like probably 12 or 13. But so, so the point is, is that like, if y'all experience, if y'all don't feel like you belong on earth, if you feel different, if you feel out of sorts, it could be because you're neurodivergent, right? Genuinely. Like I can say that almost every single thing I just described as self-described starseed could also be attributed to, to feeling out of sync and feeling neurodivergent. But you could also say that, like, if you wanted to kind of attribute the feeling of not belonging, I would argue that there are a lot of people who are incarnate on this earth who do not agree with the way that things are being run because it's exploitative, it harms people. There's, there's so much disparity and there's, uh, in wealth, in treatment, and in, in all of those different things right now that we want to try and place that somewhere. We want to try and be like, hey, guys, guess what? It's okay for you to look at the earth and be like, this is fucked up, but I'm a starseed and I'm here to change it. What happens if you just said, I'm a human who deeply cares and I've come to this earth and I may may have some other knowledge. It could be that it may be beneficial for you to recognize that like, it's not about, it's not about neurodivergence and being like, Hey, guess what? You're not a star seed. you actually have a disorder of some sort, or you you're now classified and you need support. It's not about that. It's about recognizing that what brings us and makes us here on earth incarnate in humans may be that we have some star seed stuff. It may be that we have, we have influence and we, we have a knowing from another place, but we chose to incarnate as humans and the more we can embody ourselves and be human, the less we have as a, as a fall into the pit of some sort of supremacy. Like, Hey, guess what? I'm a, I'm, I'm Arcturian. I'm part Arcturian. So I'm, I can't talk to you because you're from Orion and we have beef. You know what I'm saying? The whole point is not to create division and not to create special groups of people who can then distinguish themselves. And I get it. I 100% get it. I want to feel special. I want, I, I still kind of self-describe as an indigo child. You know, like I want to feel special. I want to feel like I'm something else. But, and if it helps you love yourself more, then that's important. But if it helps you to not love other people because they aren't, then that's where the problem is. The whole idea is to bring more love into this, y'all. The whole idea with all of these experiences, with all the different things, is to open your mind to the wonder of the possibility that we may not be alone, but not to create distinctions and divisions and possible places for hate to come into any of this equation at all. Right. So that's... And and, and if aliens do land in a way that is publicly recognize and acceptable just remember to love them just remember to love them and also go back and watch all the steven spielberg movies for clues (laughs) because you'll get that is there anything else anna anything Mm -hmm. that you want me to click anna's crawling anna's doing like a what is that the grudge where she like crawls around on her back and like oh no i'm just stretching She's been incredibly patient, and no, I hope no, that you guys have stretching. enjoyed this. I, I loved it. I'm just stretching. 
I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or thoughts, I may have said some controversial stuff in here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have any abduction stories, we would totally listen to those. Oh yeah, I love abduction stories oh my or God. encounter stories. Uh, send them to us on TikTok. We'd love to hear your close encounters of the first, second, third, fourth, even fifth kind. Exactly, exactly. You have a channeling, we want to hear it. All right, we love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of TSF. Would you like to do a favor for those who may be similar to you or in the same situation? Then leave us a review on iTunes because that's how people can find us. We really appreciate it and we appreciate you. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hello, TSF family. It's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes, just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized, my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self-love with me. I'm currently offering free 30-minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up. Visit www.chriswilsey.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember, our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course when you choose to sign up. Join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self-love like never before. Don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life. Visit www.chriswiltsy.com today. Thanks, y'all.